the secret to a long, healthy life? The answer here does not lie in exotic Himalayan berries, green smoothies, or jumping on the latest fad diet bandwagon. Instead, take a step back and learn from the habits of those in the world who already have the answer. Called Blue Zones, these are areas of the world where more people enjoy remarkably long, full, healthy lives than anywhere else on the planet. In this podcast episode, I'll outline their key health habits and, of course, bring in what science has to say about it and then put it into practical terms for how to implement this in your own life. Welcome to the Thinking Nutrition Podcast. My name is Tim Crow. And I'm a career researcher, educator, and science communicator with most of this spent in the field of nutrition. How do you make sense of so much conflicting information in the field of nutrition? While while I don't profess to have all the answers in an area that is continually changing as research changes, you can count on what is covered in this podcast to be based on the whole field of nutrition science, not just selective areas that support a particular way of thinking. And this podcast will always be free from any commercial product tie-ins, endorsements, or advertisements, just credible nutrition science presented in plain and simple language, and then translating this into what it means for your health. So on with today's show. Working in the field of nutrition for decades, I've seen all manner of fads come and go. I've read tens of thousands of research studies looking at foods, nutrients, and health. And you know what? The entire field of nutrition and health can be distilled down to some pretty simple basics. A dietary pattern that is made up of mostly minimally processed plant foods and is low in ultra-processed foods consistently comes out on top in offering the best long-term health benefits. There is no one food or food group that deserves to be demonized, and a dietary pattern is a flexible way of eating, not a set of rules that has to be followed. But there is more to life and health than just food. Just like nutrients are part of the food we eat, food is part of the lifestyle we live. And when it comes to lifestyle, what are the important things to focus on? Well, you don't have to go much further than looking at the similarities between communities around the world that enjoy the longest and healthiest lives. And for that, we have Blue Zones to look at. So a bit of history of the Blue Zones. The Blue Zones work grew out of demographic work first done by researchers some decades ago in the area of Sardinia. And The term blue zones was used by researchers to describe these small little clusters, these small villages that they discovered where the residents had remarkably long and healthy lives. And on this map, they drew blue circles around these clusters. And hence the term blue zones was born. That's it. There's nothing else special about the the color or the, the circles. Now, blue zones may have been a very obscure area of research if it wasn't for the hero in our story. And that's Dan Butner, who is an author, educator, explorer, producer, and public public speaker, and also a fellow of the National Geographic Society. He gave Blue Zones greater recognition from his work 
with the key researchers in the field and his own exploration of the growing regions, where he worked with anthropologists, demographers, epidemiologists and dietitians to look at the commonalities between the different Blue Zone communities. His findings were first reported in the November 2005 National Geographic magazine under the title of Secrets of a Long Life, and this issue became the third highest selling issue of all time. And in 2008, his first book on the topic was launched and the concept of Blue Zones entered into the public imagination. So the question is, where are these Blue Zones and what are the key characteristics of them? Well, there are now five identified Blue Zones in the world, but you could argue that more will be discovered and potentially there are even more smaller pockets research haven't, researchers haven't characterized yet. So the first Blue Zone is the island of Ikaria in Greece. So in Ikaria, people on this island have life expectancy that is eight years longer than the rest of Greece. They have half the rates of dementia in people over 80 years of age compared to mainland Greece. And the sort of diet they eat, they eat as you would expect, is a Mediterranean-style diet. But a Mediterranean diet is not one fixed diet. It varies all around the Mediterranean region. So their variation of a Mediterranean diet is high in potatoes, beans, and leafy green vegetables. They do eat some red meat, but it's mostly goat, but it's not a lot. And a characteristic of their physical activity is that it's spread all throughout the day. Things like gardening, kneading bread in the kitchen, walking to the store, being active in their community is a constant theme all throughout the day, rather than their dedicated bouts of 30 minutes of physical activity. They're always active and they're engaging in purposeful physical activity. So their, their physical activity habits is an example of nudge theory, where they incorporate just meaningful activity in their day without even thinking about it. Now, the second blue zone is one you may have heard about. It's the island or the Japanese island of Okinawa. Now, in Okinawa, people on this island have the world's longest life expectancy, with men living to 84 years on average and women 90 years. They also have one of the highest rates of centenarians in the world. So for every 10,000 people in Okinawa, there are 6.5 centenarians. Compare that to Australia, where the, the number of centenarians per 10,000 people is 1.73. So Okinawa has four times the number of centenarians. People on Okinawa have rates of heart disease, breast and prostate cancer, much, much lower than similar aged Western adults, and they have half the rate of dementia. Now, interestingly, about Okinawa, they have the highest per capita consumption of tofu in the world. And if you think of a Japanese island, you would think, well, clearly they're, they're getting all these health benefits from all the fish they eat. Well, surprisingly, they actually don't eat a lot of fish compared to mainland Japan, but they do eat a lot of sweet potatoes, as well as turmeric as a spice is used quite a lot in their cooking. Their communities are characterized as very walkable, so they're always active and they find it easy to get around. In Okinawa, they have a principle called a maui, which 
is best described as when you're a young child, you form a clique group of people around you. And that group is a group that you will track with you all throughout your life. So you have this this ongoing support network outside of your own individual friends and families. Now, one of the sad things about Okinawa, to talk about it as a blue zone, is that it is changing over time. As Okinawa becomes more and more influenced by Western culture, particularly what occurred after the Second World War with the uh, the presence of a large American base, residents in that community begin to adopt more of a Western lifestyle, which means more food, more meat, and more processed food, or more highly processed food, I should say. Um, almost everything you eat is processed to some extent. Uh, so what we find is that that uh, the longevity and health benefits is declining in younger people because of the adoption of a more Western lifestyle. Now, blue zone number three is another island. It's the island of Sardinia in Italy. In Sardinia, the ratio of centenarian men to women is one to one. Now, what's so remarkable remarkable about that? Well, for the rest of the world, the number of centenarian men to women is in a ratio of one to five, because we know that on average, women outlive men. But in Sardinia, men seem to do just as well in the longevity stakes. Their diet is characterized by goat's milk and cheese, which are a staple, but lots of beans, but they also enjoy some wine with their meals. One of the reasons why men seem to enjoy such high, so high levels of longevity in Sardinia is because of the the hilly nature of the island. So there is a lot of physical activity, particularly by the men who are goat herders. So they're getting lots of physical activity, and that probably explains their longevity benefits. The fourth fourth blue zone is the Nicoya Peninsula in Costa Rica. Now in Costa Rica, the, the diet is more of a tropical nature diet. There are lots of beans eaten. There are also corn, squash, and tropical foods. They are staple foods. Uh, Typically in the Nicoya Peninsula, meals are eaten much earlier rather than eating food later in the day. Uh, And for this community at least, faith and family play a very big role. And as a nice segue into the final blue zone, it is a place called Loma Linda in California, which you probably have not heard of. Now Loma Linda is actually the, the spiritual center of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So many of the people in Loma Linda follow the teachings of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. So this is an example of a Blue Zone area where it's likely not genetics that is explaining the health benefits because we have this little island in the middle of um, America where people have uh, live lives that are 10 years longer than those around them in the rest of the United States. So clearly it's not genetics because the development of this community has only occurred over the last one to 200 years. It's very, very recent. Uh, Characteristic of the sort of diet eaten by Seventh-day Adventists is a vegetarian diet. So it's lots of grains, fruits, nuts, and vegetables. They also don't drink alcohol. So for Adventists who follow the church's teachings, they live around 10 years longer. And with that longevity comes all of the other health benefits typically associated with that sort of lifestyle. So that's your brief whirlwind tour of blue zones around the world. 
And when you look at these characteristics, even though the cultures are different, the diets are different, and even some of their lifestyle characteristics are quite unique, there are some commonalities. And this is really the work by Dan Butner, where he identified those characteristics across the blue zones. And together, there are considered nine key blue zone characteristics. And here they are. And the first one is to do with the sort of diet they eat. A typical blue zone diet is heavy in plants. It is mostly plant-based. In some of the blue zones, red meat is eaten, but it is not a staple and it is not a feature of their diet. And if there is one single food that stands out as being common across all the blue zones, it is beans or good old legumes. These foods are powerhouse foods. And I'll be doing a bit of a, a podcast on legumes in a couple of episodes time. So legumes are the key link between all of the blue zone communities. So in fact, as a fun fact, red kidney beans actually top the list of antioxidant content of almost any food you could care to eat. It even has more antioxidants than blueberries. So there's a good reason to be eating more of these legumes in your diet. Characteristic number two of the Blue Zone, they incorporate movement naturally in their day. Blue Zone residents move every 10 to 15 minutes. So they're always active, they're engaging in their community, they're involved in the garden, they're always active, they're always moving. And we know that the benefits of small amounts of physical activity through the day is additive. All those little bits of activity add up to big health benefits. Another characteristic of people in the blue zone is they have a sense of purpose. They can answer the question, why do they wake up in the morning? What gets them out of the bed? What gets them engaged in the world? What gives them purpose? They all have a, they all have a purpose, whether it's their family, whether it's their faith, whether it's their role in the community. They have a strong sense of purpose. They also stress less. Yes, they have stresses in their life but they manage it quite well. So they really roll with the punches in what life presents them with. Another characteristic of people in the blue zones is a concept using the, the Japanese phrase harahachibu, which means they stop eating when they're 80% full. So they eat to enjoy, but they don't overeat and they don't overstuff themselves. Uh, number six characteristic across the blue zones, or at least most of them, um, is actually they enjoy a glass of wine with friends and family. So alcohol is one of those things that it's really hard to say if it has health benefits or not, because we know that, that wine drinkers typically have better, healthier lifestyles than beer drinkers, for example. So I would say overall, the balance of evidence is wine and alcohol is fairly neutral, but the key thing in the blue zones is when they drink, it's how they drink. It's the context they drink in. They drink with family and friends and with meals. And we know that that sort of setting creates strong emotional bonds and has many mental health benefits outside of any benefit the alcohol could have. People in the blue zones also are a strong member of their community, be it a faith-based religious community, whether it's with their small cliques and community groups, they're engaged with the world outside of their own family. But inside their family, they have very tight-knit communities. So they, they have a, um, a strong sense of community and a strong sense of family. And we know that 
the benefits of social connection translate into a whole swathe of mental health benefits. And with good mental health, that also translates into good physical activity habits and good eating habits. So it's all connected. And a final characteristic of the blue zones is that they're engaged with life. They have a full social life. And we know that people that are engaged with the world have less rates of smoking, obesity, and they're more likely to be happy and less lonely. And those characteristics are actually considered contagious. So if you have a a happy, healthy bunch of friends, it's likely that their habits will translate into you. So the Blue Zone communities become self-reinforcing as you have some groups showing all of these key habits that are seen in Blue Zones. Other people around them will also adopt them. So that's your key overview of Blue Zones. And if I stopped there, it would be just, you know, a nice story because all of this is actually purely observational. You have researchers who have gone around the world and they've just observed these characteristics. And really, it's hard to argue with these key characteristics as not being beneficial for you. I mean, eating mostly a plant-based diet, being active, being engaged with your community in the world. We know they are key health habits. Now, outside of actually doing direct research in Blue Zones, what does more tangential research say about these characteristics? You know, how strong is the link between those habits and health? And so for this part of the podcast, I just want to tie into a little bit of that research. So what we do know is that if we look at research that involves dietary patterns, and a dietary pattern is a way or theme of eating... We know that people that are mostly eat minimally processed foods and don't have a lot of ultra-processed foods and generally have diets that are based on more fruit, vegetables, whole grains, nuts, seeds, and beans, and not containing a lot of animal foods, particularly red meat, these sorts of diets are linked with not only long-term health, but also lower rates of chronic disease. And that's been a key pattern of research over many, many years now. And that is really the key characteristic of Blue Zone communities. But digging into this a little bit more, there are particular ways of eating that may have additional health benefits, particularly for mental health benefits. And one of these is a really novel area of research, looking at the impact of fruit and vegetables in our mental health, because we know that they are good for us in many different ways. So using a large sample of more than 12,000 randomly selected people in Australia, researchers were able to track their diet, health, happiness, and life satisfaction and well-being from 2009 to 2013. So what was the key happiness, uh, the key finding? Well, happiness, life satisfaction, and well-being all went up for each extra daily portion of fruits and vegetables eaten. And this was after making allowance for people's changing incomes and personal circumstances. And the happiness health links reached a peak at eight servings a day of fruits and vegetables. And the improvements in mental health were seen within 24 months of increasing the amounts of fruits and vegetables eaten. But the research team took it one step further and compared the mental health improvements to life-changing situations. So for someone going from eating no fruits and vegetables to eating eight portions a day, they could experience an increase in life satisfaction equivalent to moving from unemployment to full employment. 
So there are likely many reasons to explain a link between eating more fruits and vegetables and health and well-being. Higher levels of antioxidants is one possibility. Then there is the role of fiber in supporting a healthy population of gut bacteria. So we know that gut fermentation products can act directly on the brain, potentially altering mood and behavior. But there could be more going on at the level of genes to explain the interaction of diet and lifestyle with longevity in the blue zones. So enter the topic of telomeres, which are one of the today's hottest topics in science. So what is the telomere? Well, they're the caps at the end of DNA, which protect our chromosomes. And as we age, telomeres become shorter and contain less coating. With the protective cap compromised, DNA strands can become damaged. It's the same process for how your shoelaces can become frayed when it loses its plastic tip. Telomeres are just like the plastic tip on your shoelaces, but in this case, they sit at the end of your chromosomes. So top researchers are connecting telomere length to aging, health, and even longevity. Shorter telomeres mean less protection of the DNA from damage. As simple as that. So inflammation oxidative stress and insulin resistance are key factors connected to faster rates of telomere shortening. And we already know that diet and lifestyle are big players in chronic inflammation. This opens the door for a connection between diet influencing telomere length. And a review paper published in the European Journal of Clinical Nutrition has received a lot of attention for the intriguing link it found between diet and telomere length, and I'll link to this study in the show notes. Researchers looked at studies that had collected information on both dietary habits and telomere length. From a pool of 17 studies, several themes emerged. A Mediterranean-style dietary pattern and diets high in fruits and vegetables were linked to longer telomere length. On the opposite end, diets high in highly refined grains, processed meats and sugar-sweetened beverages were pointing towards a shorter telomere length. Diets rich in fruits, vegetables and whole grains are linked with less chronic disease and a longer life. Telomere length could be the key connection here between diet and health. Whether telomeres are part of the cause of aging and disease or are just a biomarker of it does not change the influence that the positive dietary patterns promoted in this current research can have on health. It does, though, give some hard biological evidence for the longevity benefits of blue zone type diets. So what about adopting all of this blue zone research into your own particular way of life? Do you need to move? to a Mediterranean isle to join or join a close religious community to get all the benefits of a blue zone? No, because many of the themes of blue zones can be adapted to your own current lifestyle. Let's take Australia, for example. Only 7% of people eat the recommended amount of vegetables each day. And over one third of our energy intake each day comes from discretionary foods. So already, there is a long, lot of improvement that Australians can make in their diet to get even closer to the sorts of ways that people eat in the different blue zones. 
But even between the different Blue Zone communities, there is a diversity in the foods they eat, showing there is no one single right way to eat, only flexible guidelines. So choose mostly seasonal fruits and vegetables and a variety of legumes. I mean, legumes are the key powerhouse that are common across all the Blue Zones. Then include some nuts, seeds and grains. That is the cornerstone of the dietary pattern eaten in blue zones. It's also very common to what our current dietary guidelines also recommend. If you choose to add some dairy or meat to that, then that is also common in most of the blue zones, just that they don't have them as the main feature of their diet. Being active doesn't involve, doesn't need to involve going to the gym or training for a marathon. So incorporating small amounts of physical activity into your day in whatever way works for you will get you closer to the sorts of lifestyle habits adopted in the blue zones. One in four people in Australia is a sole occupant, and that is up from one in 10 in the early 1970s. So we are becoming less and less real well connected with our friends, family and community. So use social media as a positive way to connect with friends and then take it offline and get out in the real world. Engage with your community. Join social groups, join community groups, join any sort of group where you can connect with people over a commonality of your own particular interests because that social connection is a key predictor in reinforcing many of these positive habits that people in blue zones have. So here is the blue zones in a nutshell. These long-lived people, they don't avoid gluten, they don't worry about saturated fat, nor do they fixate on alkalizing their body or calculating the glycemic index of their meals. They don't ruminate on if the grains they are eating are stopping the absorption of other nutrients. They don't take supplements, they eat. They move, they enjoy, they socially engage with their community in person, they live. You don't need a PhD in nutrition to be able to make sense of all of the nutrition messages you hear in the media each day. When it comes to your health, take a step back, learn from the people in the world who have got this nailed, and that's the people in the blue zones. So that's it for today's show. You can find the show notes either in the app you're listening to this podcast on if it supports it, or else head over to my webpage at thinkingnutrition.com. And click on the podcast section to find this episode to read the show notes. If you find this podcast of value, then please consider sharing it with your friends and colleagues, or maybe even leave a review. This all helps increase the ranking and reach of the podcast, which means a big win for credible evidence-based nutrition messages while helping to dilute out the crazy and making the world a slightly less confusing place. I'm Tim Crow. And you've been listening to Thinking Nutrition. Music